Hey, UTSA fans. Welcome to episode 55 of the Hail Married Podcast. I'm the Toves, and I'm joined, as always, by my wife, A Toves. We teased that we had something special for the first episode of our fall season, and here it is. All right, we're joined today by a special guest, Coach Pittman, head coach of the UTSA soccer team. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. It's awesome. Let's start out by talking a little bit about your background, Coach. Um, I know you played as a goalie for four years at your um, hometown school, the University of Tulsa, um, which is now one of our conference opponents. And then you played professionally in England for a little while, came back and played at the Eastern Indoor Soccer League. Just curious, through all of those stops, was your plan long-term to get into coaching or is that something that just kind of happened organically? Yeah, that was not the plan. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't say that I necessarily had a plan, <laughs> as most college kids sometimes, but uh, no, definitely fortunate. Um, the club team I played on out of Tulsa, uh, TSC, I was actually on the very first team, uh, which now that club's been around for over 30 years um, and is a very successful club out of Oklahoma. Um, my youth coach his name is Keith Eddie um he had actually played in the NDEB or NASL back in the 70s and 80s oh, wow. played for the New York Cosmos played with Pelé uh and Canelia and a bunch of the storied players that played for the Cosmos back at that time won won some championships before that he played over in England for Watford and Sheffield United anyway uh it ended up in Oklahoma uh crazy enough and became our club coach and he, he just he was a tremendous mentor for me um honestly I, I come from a pretty small town outside of Tulsa that um I grew up I, crazy enough I actually grew up as a race car driver oh, yeah. um oh, that's my right. brother yeah so um since the age of four or five years old, my dad had my brother and I in race cars uh quarter midgets um and we traveled all up and down. Uh, I-35 pretty much from Topeka, Kansas to Austin, all the way here. There's actually a track here in San Antonio. Um, and uh, But anyway, so did did that for a while for a lot of our youth and just dabbled in soccer um, and then was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to try out for this club team and made it. And then that kind of just propelled things from there. Um, and so I, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to play at the University of Tulsa. After I graduated, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, I was actually working in retail sales as a manager at different stores. And, um, I, you know, it, my mom always said I could talk to anybody. So it, it seemed <laughs> to make sense. And uh, But yeah, I, I, crazy enough, I had um, I'd moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, actually was working in sales there. Uh, doing some stuff and a friend of mine came forward and was like listen dude you, you need to get into coaching and so I started coaching some youth soccer teams in Little Rock uh, some like U13 U14 boys loved it just I found myself every day at work planning my training sessions and thinking about how I can connect with these kids and how I could do this and after time then that same friend was like listen we you, you, you probably need to consider what what it looks like to take the next step and so I went back to the University of Tulsa and went to grad school and became a graduate assistant in 2001. So I've been doing this now for 23 years. Um, I coached men's soccer at the University of Tulsa as an assistant coach for two years, 2001 and 2002, and then had a very, very close friend of mine who's still a good friend of mine. He's the head coach at the University of Arkansas. He was like, hey, have you ever thought about coaching on the women's side? And I was like, well, no, not really. He's like, Listen, I think you have the temperament for it. One, there's a lot more opportunities because of Title IX opportunities in, in soccer back in the mid-90s. There was a lot more programs at the Power Five level that were adding soccer during that time. And uh, so, yeah, it was in 2003, I went to the University of Georgia as an assistant and then got an opportunity at the University of Missouri and then first head coaching job, Arkansas State and so on and so forth. And so this, this trek has taken me the last 23 years. It's a crazy thing I've been doing it that long. But it's definitely taken me all over. And thankfully, I've had a wife uh, of 16 years that's put up with it and gone on this journey with me. So um, I, I absolutely love what we do and, and uh, the opportunity to just have a small little impact on young people's lives as they go through their college years uh, is, is a lot of fun to be a part of. 
Awesome. Yeah. And that was, I'm glad you brought up the whole women's game because that, that was a part of the question was just like, wow, like what drove you there? But um, so let me ask you this, like what one lesson that you learned during your time in college or pro soccer, do you pass on to your players? In all honesty, to be fair, it's overcoming adversity. I was never, in fact, in college, I came in, I was fortunate enough to earn the starting position as a goalkeeper my freshman year. But going into my senior year, um, a a freshman came in and took my position. (laughs) And I'll never forget, that was a really hard spot for me to be in. As a senior captain, um, and again, there's a lot of things that attributed to that. He was flat out better than me. Uh, But two, I don't, I probably took my foot off the gas a little bit going into the senior year, didn't prepare as properly as I should have. And and I left the door open and I learned some valuable life lessons through that. Um, Just lots of chats with my dad, who was a huge mentor of mine. And, you know, just was constantly about the perseverance and the challenges of going through that. And then in, in the pro side of things, same thing. I was never a starter on the pro side, even in the Eastern Indoor Soccer League. I went in as a backup with just asking for an opportunity. And, you know, it's up to me as the player. And it's the same thing we talk to our players about now. All we can do is promise you is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We promise, you know, it's up to you what you do with that opportunity. Yeah. And you, some sometimes you find yourself in various roles. Um, you know, I went from being a starter my freshman year in college to being a backup. Uh, as a captain and and being really, in all honesty, a supporter and a cheerleader on the sideline and how, how I embraced that and how I was taught to embrace that through that adversity um, has really helped shape a lot of the things we talk about today in, in our program is that, you know, we have 30 players on our team and, uh, you know, 11 players play. There might be five or six, seven other kids that get to sub in. And then, the, you know, there's 10 or 12 kids every day that just stand on the sideline or just tremendous cheerleaders and supporters. Everybody has their role and everybody's got to own that role, accept that role and ultimately be the best version of themselves in that role. doesn't mean you have to like it, but in order for you to move out of that role into something else, you're going to have to accept where you are in the first place. And so we talk a lot about that within our team. We talk a lot about um, just overcoming adversity. Um, we we tell our freshmen, even when we're recruiting kids, like this is going to be hard. I'm going to coach you extremely hard. If you want to be a part of that, awesome, please come here. This could be a great fit. But yeah. if you're looking for a place where a coaching staff is going to blow smoke and be, you know tell you how good you are when you really aren't, or pat you on the back because that's what you've experienced from your previous environments or what you get at home, right. then that, this is not going to be a good environment for you. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's probably going to be quite hard and miserable. Um, but, you know, which is okay. Like everybody chooses to, you know, raise their kids different, coach their teams different. That's okay. That's just what we do here. And we've, that that's the way I was raised. That's the way I've grown up in the game. And some of those lessons I've been fortunate enough to learn that I try to pass on to the group of players we currently have. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to zag here a little bit. So here's a fun question for you. um, Though it pains me a little bit. Uh, Is it true that you're a Manchester United fan? And why would you disappoint me by (laughs) being a Manchester United fan? <laughs> uh yes, I am a Manchester United <laughs> fan. Yeah, so sorry to disappoint you, Ben. Yeah. Um, I yeah, uh, it's crazy. Um growing up, I mean, as you would imagine, right, back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, English Premier League wasn't on TV back then. Right. right. And, and right. So anytime you could find anything, it was maybe on maybe on the internet, maybe on TV, highlights here, highlights there. I was a, as a goalkeeper, I was a huge Peter Schmeichel fan. So Um, he was the big, huge Danish goalkeeper. And I just loved the way he played. He just was bigger than life and a monster in goal. Um, And so that's kind of what fed my love for the game. And then I I was fortunate enough to, um, you know, go over to England a couple different times and yeah, so kind of, Growing up at that point in time, I was when the 92 class came through with Beckham yeah. and the Neville brothers and Nicky Bott and all that. And so that experience to be able to go over and see some of that. Um, I spent six months study abroad in England 
got to go to a handful of Manchester United games and again, just fueled my obsession since then. So yeah, I've been a, a Manchester United fan for over 30 years. Uh, so it's not just as of late, although it's been very painful as of late. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, I, I'm just going to say that, you know, I, I think it, it just hurts a little more because I'm an Arsenal fan. So, you know, it's, there's been some tough moments from the, you know, when playing, you know, uh, sure. Manchester United. So, uh, but well, I fully get it. Like Schmeichel. at least you're not a city fan. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. As, as long as I, I don't have to deal with you being a blue city fan. So <laughs> okay. fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's talk about something that has not been painful for you. And that's just the last 12 months of UTSA soccer has just been absolutely phenomenal from winning the conference tournament, getting to participate in the river parade, opening up of the field house, you signing a contract extension, and now we're getting to go into the AAC. I mean, have you really had an opportunity to just sit back and soak in everything that's happened and kind of enjoy it? Enjoy it? Probably not. Um, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've lost a few years for. <laughs> probably, um, but uh, no, you know what? Even from the time that Lisa Campos hired me back in eighteen. Um, it, this was actually crazy enough. This was being from Oklahoma. I had kind of kept a pulse on UTSA over the years. We'd been living up in the Northwest for eight years at Idaho and Gonzaga. And um, my wife and I talked about, we wanted to get back to the Midwest. Um, we wanted to get back to this area. We loved the Northwest. It was beautiful, but it was just really difficult for family purposes to get our, you know, we saw my parents once, maybe twice a year. I saw my brother and his family once a year, same thing with her family. And so it was always hard um, because we are big family people and, and it matters very much to us. And so it, the the silly thing is there was a goalkeeper that came out of Seattle uh, and she we were recruiting her at Gonzaga at the time and she chose UTSA over Gonzaga and I was like baffled and wow. it was just like why would this kid do this and so I started studying okay what is special about UTSA and I'd always known San Antonio I'd been been there and so kind of just and, and and silly enough selfishly I then got the job at the University of Idaho, and I always thought to myself that her name was uh, Bubba Michaela, who played here, and, what, and she's actually got some awards that are in my office that are, and so I'd always thought to myself, they're a really bad team. She's going to be unhappy. She's going to want to transfer back to the Northwest. So I was keeping a pulse on her. Yeah. Like, watching her. I was like, uh, and I needed a goalkeeper at Idaho when I first got the job. I was like trying to, you know, will her back to the Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> but, but crazy enough, it just kind of kept me watching what was going on at UTSA. And, you know, from the time when they built the facility out here at Park West in 2013 um, to continue moving forward. And so when the opportunity came up in 18, uh, I immediately applied. Definitely wanted to put my name in. Uh, the crazy thing is, is shocking. Some people may or may not. I don't. I wasn't the first choice. I wasn't the first person they offered the job to. Um, but that's okay. It worked out yeah. all in, in yeah. the right position and right situation, and 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 it was great. And you know, so I, I'm a big believer in core values. Um, Coach Trailer and I are very much in sync when it comes to that, and and that your culture wins games. Uh, the X's and O's matter. Uh, your preparation matters, your performance matters, but the culture is what gets you through difficult times and can push you over the edge. And um, yeah. So when we got here in 18, we sat down and developed some core values and, and it was going pretty smoothly in 18 and 19 progress was being made. And then COVID hit. And as we all know, for everyone in the, in the entire world, uh, things hit the fan and uh, everybody was kind of just, what do we do now? And in all honesty, out of that, one of the biggest phrases that I learned, there was two big ones. One was you get what you tolerate. And, and that was huge for us is that if our core values really matter to us, then we're not going to tolerate certain behaviors, certain training habits, certain decisions and choices and right. behaviors. And so we kind of, although we had, I would say up until 2020, maybe those the words that we had for our core values, which are team grit and integrity, a little bit were words on the wall. We were still learning how to live those out every day on and off the field. And through COVID, it really forced us to say, okay, is this really who we are? Is this what we're about? And, and 
I think out of those struggles that we had in 20, it, it really propelled us into 21 and then ultimately into 22. And yeah, I love being the underdog. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> the fact that, you know, in all honesty, the fact that we've been picked to finish fifth in the division in, in the AAC going into this year just makes me smile because our kids, uh, we, we really have a culture and environment here. It's our kids just like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. Like we'll, 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 we'll let our performances do the talking and, and so on and so forth. And uh, so it's been, it has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of hard work uh, by our coaches, uh, our players, We've gone through some turnover on our staff that has not been easy. Um, but in every single situation, to be honest with you, Andrea, we've we've gotten better. We we've taken steps forward. Um, we we have a certain language and vocabulary within our team that our kids that our kids only know, and um, they all understand it. That we we have this mentality that we're going to solve whatever problems in front of us. Um, it doesn't do any good to complain and you know, moan about it. It's just get on with it. Right. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So to some extent, yes, uh, I've enjoyed every bit of this, uh, but too, it's also been exhausting uh, and, and a lot of fun at the same time. Just curious if there was a moment for you last year when you, you know, you're in the middle of the season or something that happened where you just stopped and thought to yourself, this team is different. It's special. And I know we can make a championship run. Or were you just kind of, you know, believing the whole time and surprised all along the way? Um, probably surprised all along the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I, early on, we started off the season very well. I think our yeah. non-conference schedule was was a good mixture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, great wins against Kansas State as our first ever Power 5 win. I thought we played really well even in the exhibition game against Baylor where we only lost 2-1, that, that some of that belief started coming forward. Um, had a few other big results where we we, we performed well. But to be honest, with it, it, it was a little bit of a roller coaster. I think we were playing really well going into conference. We opened up with Rice here at home. And we were flying high. We were like, okay, we, we're we were excited about this. We're hosting Rice. We need to get off on the right foot. And 10 minutes into that game, we're down to nothing. And we were like, ooh, what, what, what just happened? And so, but crazy enough, our kids reset themselves. Rice had three shots in the first 10 minutes and scored two goals and we were down to nothing. They did not have a single shot the rest of the game. We absolutely dominated play, got one back, unfortunately fell short and lost 2-1. But I think it was an eye-opening experience for our kids at that time. Like, okay, like we are good enough, but we've got to basically put, you know, we've got to ultimately uh, get the results. And and I think that helped. Um, but to be honest with you, with four games left in the season, we weren't even sure we were going to make the conference tournament. Like we were floundering around in sixth, seventh, eighth position in the standings. And you know, we, we were like a little nervous. I would say the with the fourth game left in the season, we played Middle Tennessee. We absolutely battered them for nothing. I thought the team played as good as they have all season. But then we turn around and go on the road at North Texas and get absolutely hammered 3-1 on the road. And so it was just like this, oh, sweet, we've, we've gotten over this hump. And then yeah. all of a sudden we get punched in the face. And we 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 talk about the the Mike Tyson quote that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, right. And, and that is something that's very true to our environment of hey, you know, plan A might not work. What's plan B and plan C? And and what are you going to do when your back's against the wall? And that's really where we were with two games left with Western Kentucky and UTEP coming here uh at the end of the year. We knew we had to win both. Um, and it, the craziness, so we beat Western Kentucky. I thought we played well and we beat UTEP on Friday night. The last couple games are on Saturday of league play. And we are literally, I am text messaging with the Western Kentucky coach, because depending on how the North Texas law tech game finished, it was going to determine the seating. Mm-hmm. I did not want to play North Texas in the first round. It didn't, I, I knew we were going to run into North Texas at some point in time, but I yeah. didn't want to play North Texas in the first round because our games with them are just absolute wars. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they they're exhausting. And so if we had to play them in the first round, I knew it was going to take, again, win or lose, it was going to take so much out of us that we might not have much left in the tank for the semis and finals. Anyway, North Texas literally scores in the last 30 seconds 
of the game to win the game, all right, and beat LaTeX and moves us to a six seed to play the three seed UAB. Western Kentucky falls to the seven seed, has to play North Texas in the first round and the two seed. And so everything kind of played out from there. But it, it, honestly, um, yeah, even going into the tournament, I knew we had a chance. I was excited to play UAB again. U, UAB again. It was it was really a good contest with them. North Texas, their kids came out flying. Florida Atlantic, they came out flying. Um, and uh, so it, it was a lot of fun to see us. When you look back and you go, we won six of our last seven games. Yeah. I, I, there's part of me that goes, did that really happen? Because it did not <laughs> yeah. feel like that. So, uh, but yeah, we we were very fortunate. We had some tremendous leaders last season. Kendall Closa, Issa Hernandez, Lexi Bolton, Jill Schneider, Abby Castle. Those those five seniors were tremendous for us. Um, and, you know, and even the junior class, now seniors that we have, um, we, we've been very fortunate over the last couple of years to have some really top, top end uh, leadership that's taken us through some difficult times and, and seen us on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned this already, but, you know, the rank, the uh, rankings came out, we're picked fifth out of the West. I think a lot of, you know, fans, our listeners, they're going to be surprised by that because we did win the Conference USA Championship. There's so many teams that we beat that came with us into the American Conference. So shed some light on on maybe why that is. And then you kind of mentioned you're already using that for some motivation this season. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I think because we went in as a six seed uh, in the tournament, and although we won it as a six seed, I just don't think people give us a whole lot of respect. I, I don't think we're... I don't think we're the underdog that maybe we were, you know, a couple of years ago to where, you know, maybe it was some people thought we were just a flash in the pan. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, it's very similar to what coach trailer talked about with his group last year, right. Is, is, is no one, the bull don't care, right. Like it yeah. doesn't matter, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what you did last year. It doesn't matter that you want a trophy. You're going to have, can you do it again? And, um, and, and can you stick to, the principles and the day-to-day behaviors and choices and actions that are going to ultimately set yourself up for that success. And so, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, the American athletic conference is going to be really difficult. Uh, University of Memphis is ranked in the top 20 in the country, went to the sweet 16 and almost to an elite eight last year. University of South Florida is always difficult. SMU has been a storied program. That's usually top 50. So not shocked by those teams being at the top of the, you know, original voting. Um, North Texas picked up a couple of solid transfers uh, in, in the portal. Um, it, Rice, same thing. No, they, they graduated a fair bit. They brought in some significant transfers. I, I just, Billy, and honestly, I just don't think people think a whole lot of us, and uh, which is okay. We, we, I, I like that. So um, our players know it. They understand it. Um, you know, I, we're always going to be a blue collar, gritty, just tough team that that fights all 90 minutes. And, uh, you know, I think that's usually what it, as much as even coaches now talk about, like, hey, you can't sleep on UTSA. You can't sleep on UTSA. I think some players in their minds, mm-hmm. regardless, they're like, no, nah, they're not that good. You know, yeah. and it's just like um, but I, I do think, to be fair, I mean, the, the bottom line is we we lost uh, a considerable amount of uh, attacking power. Uh, Kieran Singh transferred out and went to Kansas State. Uh, Anna Suter transferred out and went to the University of South Florida. Um, you know, we, we lost Kendall Close at the back. There's some significant pieces there um, that we lost, but I'm really happy with our team Been very excited about how the preseason has gone and, uh, you know, looking forward to getting started uh, tomorrow night. So just for our listeners, the Cheshire cat kind of grin that Coach Pittman had as he talked about, oh, yeah, we're this underdog. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So let's get into this AAC a little bit more. Because uh, you did talk about right now, which is a great lead in here. You talked about losing, you know, some forwards. Um, did that necessitate a change in your tactics uh, moving forward? Or is it just kind of like just continuing to bring in the right players and putting them in the right positions to succeed? Uh, definitely. I would like to think there are certain things in our playing style. There are certain things in our culture that are non-negotiables. Um, we are always going to be a, a very organized, high-pressing team. 
regardless of what our shape is, whether we're in a four, three, three or four, four, two or three, five, two, whatever it is. Um, and we talk about our players all the time that it does not, our, our formation does not dictate our style, our style and our personnel is what dictates the formation. And it's just starting positions for us. And so, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to be the same team. Um, we want to be better at what we do. Um, what the biggest thing is, is we always press, we always disrupt teams. Yeah, we don't want them to ever get in a rhythm. We're very aggressive in how we uh, make teams uncomfortable. We pride ourselves on making teams uncomfortable uh, so that when the ball's coming to them, they're, they're panicking uh, because of the intensity in which we hunt to win the ball back. And that's a word we use a lot because it, it's not just one person hunting. It's the entire pack yeah. going and that mentality. And so, that's always going to be there, no doubt. What we are trying to continue evolving and getting better at is now making better decisions once we have the ball. In the past, it was very, it was safety driven, meaning we we want to be safe across the back. We're not going to take a whole lot of risk. Let's put the ball forward and, and let's be aggressive in how we go and, and, and attack and, and create opportunities. Um, so what we're trying to do now is just, okay, perfect. We've now we've won it. Let's not just panic. Let, let's calm down. Let's connect passes. Um, in fact, one of our preseason games against Corpus Christi, it, it was a 10 to 12 pass sequence from the goalkeeper all the way to the other end to score the first goal that I literally looked at Ben, my new associate head coach. I go, yeah, that's never happened. <laughs> so it like, was it was really pretty. I was, I mean, we were there and yeah. I was just, I, I don't know, I was just blown away. I was like the, the evolution of this team and the way it's that moving off the ball, that there's been like this just this confidence with the ball. And, and so you're right. I, I've seen it too in terms of being in the stands and seeing how that how this team has continued to progress. Um, so it's really it really is good to see. So let's go, let's talk a little bit about the forwards though. Uh, yep. We talked about the departures, but we do, you know, from the exhibition games, I've seen some good things from the forwards, Jordan Walker and Marley Frey, obviously returners that have, to me, looked really solid, really good, just um, there into the attacking position. Um, but I do have to call out freshman, you know, Brittany Holden, who scored in both matches, right? So yep. uh, what have been your thoughts on the three of them as a group so far, and and including any of the other three or any of the other uh, forwards uh, on the squad? Yeah. Well, one of my favorite things when it comes to tactics is I love playing with a two front. I, I think um, when you can play with a two front and do it effectively, it makes opposing teams uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so many kids are used to playing against a three front as defenders. And so there's always cover. And what we're trying to do is by putting two center back or two forwards on two center backs is to make those center backs uncomfortable. It, and so really oh. pleased with where we've gone with that. Um, honestly, one of the biggest although she hasn't gotten necessarily on the scoreboard yet, but has been tremendous as Alyssa Stewart. Um, she's typically played as an outside winger and we've now moved her up into a central striker role oh. and playing back to goal. And she's been really good. Her movement, her energy, her fitness level is, is second to none on our team. Um, and so partnering a player like her, that although she's five eleven, she's got good feet. She's smart with her movement. Um, partner her with a Brittany Holden or a Jordan Walker or a Marley Frey um, has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, the one thing Marley Frey, Jordan Walker, very, very good as back to goal, hold up play, being able to link other players underneath them. And so uh, that that's been really good. Um, Marley's just a pure goal scorer, you know, and so when we put her on the field, she, you know, I think she averaged about 27 minutes a game last season in her role and scored five goals. So her, her her goal to minute ratio is very good. Um, and uh, so, you know, she's always going to be in that role. Give us 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there and, and create opportunities. Um, Brittany Holden, no doubt, been a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I said it the other day. She's like a bull in a china cabinet. Um, <laughs> she, she has no she has no uh, it, it is either pretty much first gear or 10th gear kind of thing with her. There's nothing in between. And uh, that's what I love about her. She, she, I mean, you saw the goal against 
uh, Incarnate Word. Um, it was just she put her body on the line. It like hit her in the hip and goes yeah. in. And she's just willing to put herself in places that others aren't. And so that's extremely uncommon. Um, and I love that about her. She'll sacrifice anything and everything to just get on the end of it and score goals. And uh, so she's she's been a lot of fun to watch. Other players that we have up front, Macy Geltmeyer, who transferred in from La Tech, she can play out wide or she can play centrally, um, has been really positive. And then, you know, we've got a couple other kids that hopefully will be back healthy soon. We've got Hannah Warrenkin's been dealing with a little bit of a hamstring, but the kid can score goals from Ridgepoint over in Houston. Um, and, uh, you know, so Tyler Coker out of Austin is right. it should be back soon. So we're definitely going to have a number of weapons up front. Um, and I do think it's not going to be somebody like what we have had maybe in the past year or two, where it's only one or two kids scoring goals. It's going to be goals by committee. It won't shock me if we have four or five kids that have five goals each kind of thing. And, uh, which is great because that just means that every game, somebody new is going to step up. And, and everybody's going to put themselves in the best position to help the team. Uh, and it won't just be one person that an opponent can focus on. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, again, seeing the style of play that you've had, it's just creating opportunities all over the field. Whereas before it just kind of seemed like there was sort of a funneling and yeah. it's just, it's great to just see how you continue that. So let me get to the midfield now, because I think it gets a little more fun here too. We, you already talked, uh, we already talked about, uh, Alyssa Stewart, which I just feel like just yelling out Stewie because yes. uh, we do at the games. <laughs> um, and then there's obviously Serena Russ and Avery Cheney, stalwarts there at your uh, at the in the midfield. But I got to bring up again another freshman, Sophie Morin, who yeah. looked like to me as a sort of a box to box midfielder. But the way that she's kind of been sort of that pivot, it's she's looked composed to me. She's looked confident, and it's been weird. So it's like, well, uh, she's a freshman, like how many freshmen come in and kind of do that, but she seems like she's really fit in with the team. Uh, how she fit in with that midfield rotation in terms of and how you see her and any other players in the midfield. Uh, so Sophie Morin is an absolute class act. We're very fortunate to have her. Um, you know, she comes from the experience. She played for Liverpool. Uh, she actually played for Manchester United as a youth oh, player. No. And then eventually became, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> now she's been playing for Liverpool for the last couple of years, was actually the captain of the U19 Liverpool team that won the league. And oh, nice. um, and then she's also on the U19 Irish national team. Um, and so she's just had a tremendous amount of experience that she brings to the table. So her, her intelligence and how she reads the game is very good. But the one of the biggest things I love about her is she tackles like a truck. Like yes. there's not, I mean, when she decides to go, when she decides, Hey, I'm going to go close that space down. I'm going to go intercept that pass. She goes in so hard and, and it's really, really good. And, and then, she, and then on top of that, then she's calm on the ball. Once she gets on the ball, yeah. she's able to distribute and, and make good decisions. Um, and so, yeah, so she's, she's been a, a, an exciting piece to add to that group. You're absolutely right. Serena Russ has been, uh, yeah. She, Serena Russ does a lot of things that do not show up on a stat sheet. You know, she's winning, right. headers, winning tackles, disrupting. She is our destroyer in the middle of the park when it comes to just breaking up, you know, uh, team's rhythm and play. Avery Cheney ha has done very, very well for us, came on at the end of last year, um, has, has started to find her feet a little bit more here. Uh, that's kind of Avery's typical pattern. She kind of starts the season slow and gets better as the year goes on. And and she, but she was really good against Incarnate Word the other night. Was pleased to see that Olivia Alvarez uh, is playing better this year than she ever has, um, and making a case for herself. And again, like you said, you can keep going through the midfield when you have players like uh, Jordan Highland, uh, who was injured most of last season with a quad injury, is back healthy this year. Awesome. Um, one of the other breath of fresh airs that scored some goals uh, or scored a goal uh, against Incarnate Word has been Maddie Reynolds. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie Reynolds, she, she actually, crazy enough, she is nine and a half months post ACL surgery and she doesn't oh, look, wow. yeah, she tore her ACL back in high school last fall and um, has been absolutely fantastic. And we're, we're, li she's limited on minutes right now. She's still regaining her fitness and her strength back but the kid can absolutely smash a ball. So she can shoot from 30 yards out, 40 yards out. She took the free kick that scored against Incarnate. So, you know, Michelle Polo, uh, and then again, I can't, Michaela Cortez, like there's a lot of other players that can play in that middle of the park, which has been uh, fun to watch. Absolutely. I mean, I've just been 
I think the exhibition game is really cool um, because you do get to see a lot of the players, right? Like you get a chance and you see some other, uh, like say for football, for instance, you know, they don't really get any exhibition games, but you just know those guys and you're like, okay, all right. But seeing all these ladies just step up during the game, especially during the exhibition and saying, Ooh, like, wow, that's quite a crunch. Wow. That's, you know, it's like, uh, it's just, it's been just been a lot of fun for me. I just love soccer. So I, I love watching your team, but now I got to get to the defense because this is as a former player, this is where, you know, I made my bones there. And so this is uh, really to me uh, the the key piece to this, because I know you've talked about before how, you know, you're always going to be solid defensively. You're always going to make sure that you're organized back there. Um, I got to say uh, the line last year kind of read like a prestigious, like law firm anyway, right. It's like <laughs> the, the law firm of, you know, Hillier closed us Sandoval and Dade. I mean, it was just, yeah, I always just saw it as this, just as imposing, back line and you know obviously you said you lose Kendall and you know she I loved watching her and Deja last year just I mean and I was a central defender so for me I I always tend to see what those central defenders are doing um and I hate getting pressured like you were talking about earlier by the forwards when you get two of them (laughs) coming at you um but you know one of the things that I thought was really cool about the way you've set up some of the things especially on this from the center backs is the fact that Kendall and Deja are so integral in set pieces Uh, and the way Kendall has was really crucial set piece wise especially scoring that goal against North Texas in the tournament which uh, still is still rings in the back of my mind Um, but do you see Deja kind of taking Kendall's role or just expanding on it Um, and also tell us any more about any of the other defenders who are uh, obviously returning yeah you know between Serena Ross and Deja Sandoval, they and Alex Granville, that crew came in in 2019 and committed to here and to play here in 2018. And you know, that's back when we weren't very good. Like we 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 won six games in 2018, and then in 19 we were fortunate enough to go eight wins uh, and have a 500 season, but didn't even make the conference tournament. Right, so. Like the, those players have stuck this out, which has been huge to watch them grow and mature and develop as, as people and as players. And, you know, Deja Sandoval um, is hands down one of our best athletes. And I think most of the time doesn't even realize it. Um, it, it just went, she's one of our fittest kids, sets our record every year uh, when it comes to our fitness uh, standards. Um, she she breaks those records every year, and, and this year was no different as a senior. Um, I think she was definitely appreciated having Kendall next to her because Kendall was more the voice and the cog in the wheel in the sense of directing, whereas Deja could just be the best version of herself. And that's definitely something that Deja is having to grow in now, be the person that is directing and talking and making good decisions and, um, you know, orchestrating everything around her because Kendall had done it for three years. Deja didn't really have to. Um, And and so now she's going to Um, again, Sasha Dade, tremendous athlete. Uh, Just the biggest thing I love about Sasha Dade is she is an absolute fierce competitor. You tell her, you give her any sort of challenge, you give her any sort of opportunity to compete against somebody I didn't matter if we're playing juggling game in practice. She's screaming at me about the score. Like, ah, we're winning. I mean, there's just, we're fighting all the time. Like, no, you're not. Sasha. Stop, you know, or whatever. Like, <laughs> and so she, and I love that kid to death because her passion and her competitiveness is just fantastic. Uh, Sabrina Hellyer, fantastic. Alex Granville, really, really good. Um, the, the one that's been a lot of fun to watch and how she's slotted in has been Haley Lopez. Uh, Haley Lopez, you know, transferred to us from Seminole State Junior College. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Dallas, Texas kid. Uh, you know, a lot of people. What what interesting is how we spotted her. Is Seminole State came down and played us in a spring game, and they shut down our attack, and we went zero. We tied them zero zero, and I was like, "Who is that kid?" And I knew the coach, and anyway, he was just like, "Yeah, Haley Lopez fan. You know, one of our." top top defenders the very next week or two weeks later they went and played another spring game against north texas and they sent me the film 
And as soon as I saw the film, I was like, yep, I'm sending that kid a scholarship <laughs> offer. Like, let me get that kid signed. And, and she's been fantastic. And what's great is Haley and Sash are roommates now, and they are both the same competitors. They're literally talking trash to each other in, in practice. I'm faster than you, or no, I'm better than you, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it helps fuel that out of both of them. And they, they've, uh, that whole, you know, again, like you just named, all of them have been very, very good. Um, we're definitely going to miss them one day when they're gone, but I'm trying yeah. to hold on to them as long as I possibly can. Um, thankfully, Deja and Alex are are the only graduating seniors out of that group. We'd have we'll have Haley, Sash, and Serena Hillier back for 2024. So it's nice to be able to have that maturity come through and um, you know teaching the younger players because right now we have some really talented young players Reagan Amberson uh kid out of New Jersey uh had knee surgery in January she's very close she just started entering back into contact this week she's looked very good um she's going to be a very good center back Michaela Solbach uh, Kendall Gooner uh the other transfer we picked up over the summer or uh, over the winter was Peyton Godby from East Carolina she's coming along very well and can provide us a lot of depth across the back. And so, yeah, they, they're that whole crew for sure has been the backbone of our defensive organization and, and helping us be comfortable making, making teams uh, frustrated, which is what we do well. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, not that I attacked much as, as a player, but I got to tell you uh, I was, when I watched them, I was like, I certainly would hate to be tackled by a Sasha because I was like, I don't know if I'm getting up. <laughs> yeah, um, no, she, she definitely goes hard. They all, all of, they know it. They, we talk, we talk about it all the time. You either get the ball or the player. You don't miss both. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, look, we're, we're getting to the very back of now of the team and that's obviously goalie. And as a former goalie, uh, it makes perfect sense that you have this, amazing talent and goalkeeper Mia Kuzinski. Um, are there any parts of her game that remind you of you when you, you played at that age or nah, she's, she's way better than me. So <laughs> she's way better than me. You know what? It's, it's great. What, what I do love about her is she's again, extremely competitive. And, and that, that's one thing that we, you know, you were talking about it earlier. You asked me about, do we change our shape or our formation, or our style, based on what we recruit. And, and actually I'll tell you, no, like we talk, our, our biggest thing is we recruit high character, highly competitive kids that just work hard. And um, that will always be the MO. We tell every recruit that you were sitting here and getting an offer from us because you are in these categories. Uh, it doesn't mean we're the right fit for you, but if you choose to come here, this is what we can guarantee you is going to happen. And so me is one of those. She's very competitive, very uh, detail oriented. Her biggest issue is she probably overthinks things sometimes too much. And I just <laughs> needed to relax and go out and play because when she's just, when she's freed up, when she's relaxed and just enjoying herself in the goal, man, she's big time. And that's exactly what she did for us in the tournament, as well as in the NCAA tournament against TCU. And she made 12 saves that night. She was just in the zone. And when she's relaxed and in the zone, she can make some big time saves and really help our team be successful. And, and yeah, she's in a good place and um, excited about her, you know, year number two with us. Um, she's got two years left of eligibility, which is awesome. And we can have her between the pipes for a little while. Um, but to be honest, she was dealing with a little bit of an injury this preseason and it forced us to have to play our two backup goalkeepers, Isabel Herod, Izzo, and then who uh, Jasmine Kessler, our freshman. And, and to be honest with you, both of them did a phenomenal job. So the yeah. nice thing is that we know Colleen Pitts coming on staff has been uh, fantastic. She's done a really good job of helping uh, all three of our goalkeepers kind of settle into our style of play she does a phenomenal job of finding out which what does each one of them need versus yeah. coaching them on, on a blanket type, you know, approach. Um, and it's been really beneficial. I mean, Jasmine Kessler made two big saves, uh, one against Corpus and one against Incarnate Word in goal. Uh, Izzo getting in the game against Incarnate did really well uh, controlling the game. So, yeah, really, really pleased with where our goalkeepers are at. Definitely Mia's the clear number one for us. Um, and, but I know that we have two very capable goalkeepers right behind her. 
you mentioned Colleen Pitts and kind of some turnover in your uh, staff earlier. Um, in some ways, that's part of being a successful program, right? You, you get to be a victim of your success. People want your assistant coaches. So tell us a little bit about the new coaches that have joined the team. Yeah, uh, I, I've, I've been very, very blessed, very fortunate. When we got here in 2018, I, I, I bribed, pleaded, bartered whatever I could to get one of my best friends in the business, Mark Hemans, here from Houston. He was coaching club out of Houston and we'd known each other for 10 years and um, somebody I thought a lot of and, and the fact that he had already been in South Texas for a couple of years, it helped in bringing him on staff. And then I was able to bring Cameron Carter, who had been, been my GA at Idaho, uh, back to Texas. She's originally from Waco. And so, you know, for the first couple of years, that, that was our staff and it was a good starting place. It was exactly what we needed at that time. All of us were really high energy people because we knew that we were trying to overhaul the culture and the environment. And, and so it, it was funny after the 2018 season, Mark and I looked at each other as like, this has to be one of the most enjoyable seasons we've had in our careers, just because we had, we had players that were just starving for coaching. We didn't do anything earth shattering. It was just, we invested in them. We loved them. We tried to teach them and inspire them. And they came every day, like coach, give us more, give us more, give us more. And, and it was, it was fantastic. And it was an absolute blast. Um, but each of those next steps, when, when Mark left, I brought in Carl Goody. Uh, at that time, he'd been at LSU. Um, he was with us for a year. Uh, he really helped, although it was a difficult season through COVID, he really helped in many, many ways. Cameron then left to go to Baylor, which gave her the opportunity to go home uh, and, and work at Baylor. And then I was able to hire Brock and Ashley that we had, you know, in 21 and 22. And then, yeah, with their departure, like you said, when you when you do well, people come after your people. And so uh, and, and that that's exactly what happened. Um, I'd known Ben Williams for several years prior to him coming here. He had been the assistant coach at Miami of Ohio for two years. But prior to that, he was the director of coaching in one of the best clubs in Houston at, at Albion. He was the, there for like four years. And I knew him when he was a volunteer assistant at Oklahoma State. I'd kind of watched his trajectory, got to know him really well, recruited a number of his Houston kids when he was there in, in the club scene there. And he's just a guy that's respected across the entire state of Texas and, and, and beyond. But for sure, in the state of Texas, there's not a single club coach that he can't pick up the phone and call immediately and, and try to get interest from a kid. So he, he was big time. I tried to actually hire him right when COVID hit, but he had just taken the job at Miami of Ohio. Okay. Um, and so then when, when Brock left, he, I literally, he was my very first phone call. I was like, how do we got to make this happen? Let's get you. Uh, thankfully his wife was ready to get out of the cold temperatures in Ohio. <laughs> and, uh, she, she's, uh, she's a nurse. And so bringing her to San Antonio was good for them. And uh, so, yeah, he, he's, he's a tremendous recruiter, tremendous at relationship building. He's a phenomenal tactician, how he puts together game plans, training sessions, and it's been a lot of fun to collaborate. But it's also been a lot of enjoyable for me because I've been able to kind of take a step back and not feel like, to your point, uh, Andrea, that I don't have to do everything. In the mm -hmm. first few years, I, I felt like maybe I had to have my hands in everything. Yeah. Um, and I've heard a friend of mine tell say this, is that, as a head coach, it doesn't mean we care more. It just means we have to care about more things, right? As an assistant coach, you get to focus on maybe two or three things that you're really good at. Head coaches, we think of 30 things and and that keep us up at night. Um, but he 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 cares tremendously um, how how he coaches the team, how he's prepared our team, how he's involved. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air and easy for me to take a step back and allow him to kind of take uh, some of the lead on that. And then Colleen um, is a name that had come to us when Ashley was departing. She's been, she played at Texas Tech. She's been the goalkeeper director in Austin for the last eight years. And she's always produced really good goalkeepers coming out of that club, uh, Lone Star. And, and so the opportunity to bring her here to San Antonio was, was a huge piece for me. She was actually the volunteer assistant at Southwestern and, mm -hmm. The assistant coach there is a guy by the name of Felix Oscombe. Well, Felix 
was my assistant coach when I played at Tulsa. And oh. he pretty much told her, you need to go work for Derek. And so it, it, that, that helps knowing right, the right people, um, and, and hopefully them speaking on my behalf to what we're doing. And so, yeah, both of them have been really, really good. And then Peter Malumba, who we hired as our next assistant coach, he's a guy that I've gotten to know. Sorry, Ben. He's another Manchester United fan. Uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, he is a really, really good technical coach, young coach in the business. So he does a really good job of helping our players with their technical deficiencies, working out our players that might be coming back from injuries. He's been fantastic. And then Joe Roberts, our video analyst, has been fantastic helping us as we teach and use video uh, to better educate our players. So, uh, and then the last person that honestly might be the most important person is Shelby Dale, our athletic trainer. Yeah. Uh, she's been with me for five years. She, we pretty much got here within a week of each other. And the fact that I've had the same athletic trainer for the last five years, uh, it is, cannot be, uh, overstated uh, to be fair. Like she is, uh, a person that keeps our kids healthy. She's a mom, she's a sister. She's the, every hat you could possibly imagine for our players. She wears, um, and, uh, we, we have a phrase that we talk about that it, availability equals winability and, and her ability to keep our players available for selection and, and healthy so that I can put the best 11 out on the field whenever we kick off is, um, it has been huge. And so, yeah, she's, She's been tremendous and, and deserves about 10 pay raises for what she does and how she puts up with me. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we're about to go into the first game of the season. You're going to be playing central Arkansas. Um, tell us what are some of the, the key things that, that are keys to victory for that game? Just doing us in all honesty, being the best version of us. We, 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 Yes, we're always going to prepare for our opponent. We'll try to think of their tendencies and point out what they're good at, what they, they're weak at, what are their set pieces, um, what what are they trying to ultimately accomplish. Uh, and so we want to shut those things down, but we just need to go out and be the best version of us. We need to be organized defensively. We, we need to press together. We need to attack together. And we need to keep our relentless mentality to just get on the attack, stay on the attack, pin them back in hopefully and make it extremely difficult for them to get out of their own end. And, you know, I think you saw it against incarnate word and, and all UCA is a very good team. Jeremy Bishop, Derek Nichols there on staff have done a really good job Been there for a number of years, I think probably at least 15 years or more, if not. And so they've done a really good job of continuing to build what they want that to look like. So it's going to be a new test for us but is really proud of our players and how we did against incarnate word. I mean, they didn't have a single shot in the game for the first 70 minutes. And uh, anytime you can, you know, be that organized and that disciplined for that long period of time. Um, yeah. We hope to be able to hopefully do that same thing against central Arkansas and, and get the result in front of a big crowd on Thursday. Cause I mean, I don't know if you saw April and Sierra is donating $5 for every butt in the seat. So I, I'm trying to get April to pay a big fat check. So <laughs> absolutely. Well, we'll be there for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, real quick. I'm going to zag real quick. Who yeah. you got for the women's world cup final it's Spain and England. I, I I'm guessing you might go England, but I don't know. Yeah. Look. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it, is it finally coming home as, uh, as they yeah. say? <laughs> I think so. Potentially, yeah. I guess, right? No. I, honestly, though, I mean, but Spain's play, Spain's going to make some chase, right? Spain's yeah. been really good. I haven't watched a whole lot of their games, but and I haven't watched the semifinals yet. I saw the results, but um, but it seems like England is is clicking on all cylinders as well. Um, yeah, you know, it, I, I've been very impressed because I thought they were going to be really vulnerable at the back, and and yeah. they've they've given up a couple goals. They've been able to you know find goals uh, at the other end, so. Yeah, I, I can't help but cheer for England a little bit with, with my coaching staff, and I've always been a little bit of a fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Spain's going to give them some fits, so it's, it should be a good final. I just hate the fact that it's, like, at 5 a.m. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> that is a tough part. Yeah. Well, like, appreciate you coming on. I know it's been a busy lead-up. We've got one last question before we leave. Um, you know, obviously, I've given you a hard time about Manchester United, but I'll get over it. I'll still... <laughs> I'll still cheer for you guys. I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. <laughs> but as we close, let me ask you this. Um, 
looking back at your time here at UTSA, what word or phrase would you describe this time? Um, I, I think for me personally, if I'm just looking at one word, um, it's been extremely enjoyable. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, this has been, I, I mean, I'm extremely thankful for Dr. Campos hiring me, giving me this chance. I knew that UTSA was a sleeping giant. Um, what we're doing, where we're going and, and how things continue to grow has just been a lot of fun to be a part of. It's been frustrating at times, but right. the players that we've been able to coach and recruit here, the, the again, aside from the wins and losses and the championships and, and excitement there, it's just been enjoyable. I, I've enjoyed every single moment with our players um, and, and you know, because my wife and I, when we got in, when we got married, I talked to her. She was she played soccer, and I said, "Do you really want to go on this adventure with me? Because who knows where it's going to take us, right?" <laughs> so, I mean, and I don't know if she really knew what that meant. She's originally from Denver, Colorado, um, but it's taking us to Missouri, Arkansas, Washington, Idaho, Texas, etc. And and it's just been like, and she's been unbelievable but it's like we the way we do it is extremely difficult because we invest we want the players close we want right. to invest in our players and pour ourselves into them um because i think that that's the right thing to do and that's how but it's a really really hard to when they leave and it doesn't matter whether they're leaving for graduation or they transfer out or whatever the reason is um uh, it, it it still is hard um but i wouldn't have it any other way I hope that every, my motto as a coach is love, teach, and inspire. And I hope that every player that ever plays for me knows that I love them dearly. Um, and I tried to teach them about soccer and hopefully uh, about life. And then ultimately, hopefully I inspired them to be better than they were when they walked through the door. And so if I do those things as a coach, um, regardless of what the results might be, then hopefully we've made a positive impact. So that's what we've set out to do uh, in every stop and, and more so here, probably just because I'm older and a little bit, hopefully a little wiser, <laughs> you know, cause I, you know, it's funny. People talk to me all the time. Like, so I got my job at Arkansas state was my first head coaching job. And I learned real quick. I had no clue what I was doing. I may have known, known some things about soccer. I mean, but I knew nothing about how to manage people and, hire a staff and do all those things and so i quickly went back to being an assistant at gonzaga as an associate coach to try to learn those things like okay crap i wasn't as prepared as i thought i was ready for it <laughs> so then going to idaho i was better prepared to win a couple championships there and then come here be almost do similar things um it, it's been a just been really enjoyable when i look back you know and you talk about how i've been able to soak it in Man, you, you mentioned it earlier. The riverboat parade was probably one of the coolest experiences because yeah. I got to sit there with my wife and my kids, watch my players just celebrate and basket in. And man, it was it was super cool. That even getting up on stage and being able to talk to all the fans across the the water, it was that that was one of the hands down one of the coolest moments I've ever been fortunate enough to be a part of as a, as a coach. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Hey coach, really appreciate again, your time. Um, hope everybody goes in packs park West. Any last yeah. words? Appreciate that. No, yeah, we, we need everybody out. Right. I think the biggest thing for me is that when you come watch us play, it's, it's, an, it's enjoyable. Yeah. It's not boring. It's, uh, the, the crap, our bench is crazy. Uh, they cheer and they're loud as can be. Now, we're going to play entertaining football and you know, the fact that we're going to be aggressive in everything we do and we're going to get you into it. It's it's nonstop, uh, you know, soccer, if you want to steal clops, you know, heavy metal football. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> much what we do and, and how aggressive we are and, and the things that we um, try to accomplish with and without the ball. So there's going to be lots of shots. There's going to be lots of tackles. There's going to be lots of entertaining moments. And, I, you know, you you won't be disappointed if you come out to Park West and, and cheer us on. Awesome. Well, thanks, Coach. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on.
Before we go, there are two opportunities to see the soccer team play over the next few days. They will be hosting Central Arkansas at 7 p.m. on Thursday, August 17th, and McNeese State at 1 p.m. on Sunday, August 20th at Park West. If you can't make it to the game on Thursday, it will be aired on ESPN+. And as always, it is free to attend the games. Additionally, UTSA Athletics announced their inaugural Hall of Fame class. It features four former student athletes, Mackenzie Adams from volleyball, Devin Brown from men's basketball, Marcus Davenport from football, and Tamika Roberts from track and field. Additionally, coach Larry Coker and former athletics director Lynn Hickey are being honored. Tickets to the induction ceremony will be available soon for Friday, October 27th. And all of the Hall of Fame um, inaugural class will be recognized on the field at the homecoming game that same weekend. Thanks for joining us on the Hail Married podcast. I'm Mae Toves. And I'm the Toves. We'll be back soon with our fall football preview. Birds up.